Traveling the Vortex. Side trip. We've joined River Song as she travels the vortex and arrive at this side trip in a book review. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. And apparently I'm your moderator this week because we're doing a special side trick and we're doing a book review. But there's a twist. This is a book that Sean and Keith have read and they read it way back in January. And if people don't know, it is now December 20th. We've tipped over to midnight. <laughs> so it is now December 20th of 2017. And this was the Goodreads Traveling the Vortex Book Club book of the month for, for January. January at the beginning of this year. And it's something we've been putting off for so long. These guys read this book. Um, so we're going to see how good their memories are at this point uh, because we, we were guaranteed destined. We had this one done. We were going to do this, and we got to get this in before the end of the year. So here we go. Or as I would like to call it, an exercise in futility. <laughs> <laughs> so we apologize if our details on this story are so a bit hazy. Let's preface this by saying we are doing this book a huge disservice <laughs> by coming to it so late in the game. Well, let's start with what you guys remember about this book. I remember that this book was five short stories. <laughs> He's correct. <laughs> I, can, I, I presume I, it was I, about River Song. About River Song. Oh, okay. Right. Some um, of them featured the doctor. <laughs> I remember it being a lot of fun. I remember it being a book that I was a little trepidatious about. I remember being a little worried going into it. It's like, oh, okay, River Song. This could be good. Because um, if I remember the chronology correctly, we had read Legends of a Shielder last year. Yes. yes. And so this was kind of the next in that kind of style. Yes. And a, a shielder was hit or miss. And so I was like, hmm, River Song. Um, but for me, there was far more hit than there was miss. Yeah, I would agree. I enjoyed most of these stories fairly much, uh, quite a bit. A couple of them didn't quite land for me, but others I, I quite enjoyed. Let's step through them just one at a time, which you guys remember of them. The first story is called uh, Panic at Asgard. Picnic. Picnic. Panic? Picnic. Yes, Picnic. This Panic was, might have been cooler. It might have been a little bit Panic better. at Asgard is like a really great band name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, written by Jenny T. Colgan. I, th- this this is one of the ones that didn't wow me. Uh, I thought character or River's characterization wasn't quite right. She seemed a little off. And the story just didn't sit well it just was kind of meh for me i just didn't really enjoy the ride as much it was first a story to kick off the book it was not necessarily the one i would have chosen it is set in an amusement park which okay automatically i would have thought it would have been 11 and an amusement park (laughs) this should be great and it's an asgardian amusement park so it's all themed around thor and norse gods norse gods and um this this has real potential, and then it never quite delivers on what you suspect the setup would have been. It 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 just really is there for for backdrop, and there's a a mystery and yeah. a problem, and it's all rather pedestrian. It's all um, it almost comes across like she came up with a great title of Picnic at Asgard and couldn't deliver. Yeah, the rest in a way, of the maybe. Story. Um, if I remember correctly, there was some corporate espionage. Yeah, something the, like that. It was, it, it was it was a little voyage of the damned almost <laughs> that uh, some things were happening, and and this 
one of the attractions kind of went wrong, so it was a little bit of Jurassic Park Westworld, but nothing quite that drastic. Or fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the big one was was the characterization, because while the, the, the book is written ostensibly by River, and it's her recollections of things... From her perspective. From her perspective. They're, they, it's her and the 11th Doctor, and... They don't quite sell you on either one of them. The Eleventh Doctor was a little off. She seemed a little too moon-eyed about the Doctor, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she too. she was very wasn't River that we know. I su- I suppose there could be an argument that it was younger River, but I don't know if I buy that. Either. I was going to ask, do you guys remember if, if you know where it's set in River's timeline? Obviously, the Doctor and River's timelines don't match up. But was it? Could you remember if it was young or if that was what they were implying? Is that was a, a younger River earlier in her? Uh, current regeneration. It was at some point in her and Eleven's time frame. Okay, that's about all I remember. <laughs> I don't think there was a specific designation for it, but so I, I'm looking at the TARDIS wiki on this, and apparently uh, there's a picnic at Asgard rego- recorded in River's diary, mentioned in Silence in the Library. Oh, oh. really? So that and Husbands where, of River Song. So, so it clearly was Jacqueline, get, not Jacqueline, um, uh, Jenny writing. Getting a, getting, a, yeah, getting yeah. a, hey, here's the title right around this. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can see where maybe that was the wrong approach. Then. <laughs> well, let's move on to Suspicious Minds because this is the one that intrigues me because this one involves Elvis. Elvis. This one was rather fun. Um, it's It's a kind of simpler story, but it's Elvis... An Auton Elvis, an Auton Elvis, an Auton Elvis. So it's it's this Elvis mannequin that comes to life, and they take him on an adventure, and when he winds up going back to this museum and kind of being uh, acting like Elvis during the daytime, like an exhibit, and having like a routine, and then gets to live his life the rest of the time. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, he he, he was pretty much he was triggered by the the nesting consciousness invasion. That when all the shop mannequin windows came to life, this wax museum dummy of Elvis came to life, but didn't have the auton programming of okay, go kill everybody. Oh, he was just kind of like it's not really my thing. So he's a little man. more self self aware. Yeah, and uh, and so he he's kind of like, what do I do? You know. <laughs> and so uh, River, being River, kind of takes him under her wing, and they decide to. Let's go do all those things that you would want to do as, you know, that you can't because, you know, you're an Auton, but you're Elvis, so nobody will bat an eye, you know, because everybody knows Elvis isn't really still around. Right, so. right. There's impersonators galore. He's right. probably, yeah. probably one of the most impersonated well, celebrities. And they kind of imply that he's the reason why they, th- no, everyone doesn't think he's dead. Oh. Yeah. Like he's that good at it. <laughs> because yeah. they keep seeing him. Because they, they see oh, him. No, yeah. He's not dead. I saw him. Because I, I think they referenced. He was activated by the initial Auton invasion. Yeah, I think it was he? the seventh. So we're talking one. about the uh, third Doctor one. The third yes. Doctor one. So yeah. prior to Elvis's death. Yeah, because he'd been around for decades at this point. And decades and decades and decades. Yeah. So they, uh, the, the the place that they choose to go to is kind of like this. Um, it's a biodome, basically, where they're they're doing all kinds of uh, cool genetic experimentation and, and engineering on bees. And for some reason, he's fascinated with us. And River's kind of like, oh, really? Okay. And reading the story, I was like, really? 
Okay. Because <laughs> that's not where I would have gone if I was Elvis. And um, the owner is a bad girl, and she's actually genetically engineering this it's plant life isn't it that's gonna yeah i it's, believe it's, so. it's almost like a seeds of doom kind of thing that she's got this they're gonna take over the world with her killer plants and auton elvis has to stop it from happening with river's help and the doctor's along for the ride yeah and then the doctor shows up <laughs> at one point it's just kind of like um it was one of those that was a really cute premise and a really intriguing setup and then for me, I think it kind of fell apart as we got into the meat of the story. Uh-huh. It just it just was kind of like, this is not... And maybe that's my preconceived notions, but if well, you're going to put Elvis in a story, you better do something Elvis. It, it <laughs> yeah. should be mentioned that this one was uh, written by Jacqueline Rayner, and she has yeah. had a history of starting a really setting good setup on a story and then, and then just falling down. Yeah. And I feel bad because Jacqueline Rayner is on my list of not so much when it comes to Doctor Who offerings. <laughs> I keep trying and I keep hoping that maybe this will be the one. And then inevitably I'm like, no, no, it wasn't. She did uh, Earth World and she did The Stone Rose, right? Is she the one that wrote that one? She did Stone Rose. She did, uh, on, well, on television, she did uh, Docs in Manhattan. Oh, right, Evolution. right. That's right. Well, and she did Earth World. Right? Did, I think uh, we, did we all re- review Earth World, the eighth I Doctor think story? Just it was you. just me. Okay. Yeah. And she also did uh, Whispers of Terror and Minuet in Hell from Big right, Finish. Which you weren't, you weren't a fan of Minuet in Hell. I wasn't a fan yeah. of Minuet in Hell. Sean and I, I like sort Minuet. of liked it, yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one. A Gamble with Time, and I'll say the author first this time, because he's one of my favorite, Steve Lyons. I liked this one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember much of this one. Uh, I do remember struggling to get through it and being confused a lot of what was going on. So I, didn't, I don't remember it being very clear of what was happening. But by the end of it, I think I did kind of have a grasp of what happened and kind of realized, oh, okay. So it was kind of a, a time loop type situation that it, by the time I finished it, it all made sense and I thought it was rather clever. But while reading it, I didn't enjoy the ride as much because I had trouble keeping track of what was going on. And in this one, the Dr. River were mistaken as time agents, right? Yes. Yes. Um. And I, I, I agree with Keith. It's it's one of those that it's a bootstrap paradox, and it's actually kind of a very simplistic story uh, where this guy gets caught up in the sequence of events and winds up displaced in his own timeline. Yeah, he gets sent back in time. and Which they're fearing that he's dead and that they're trying to stop that from happening. And he's a nobody. He's not anybody important. It's on the present day Earth, I believe. Um, but he, he, he winds up with, you know, he, he thinks at first that like, maybe it's his lucky day. Like he's won the lottery kind of thing. But then as things progress and other time agents are hunting him down, trying to actively kill him because of this mistaken identity that he's like, this isn't, this is not it. This is not right. And it's not until you get to the end when the bootstrap paradox kicks in and you realize it's this self-fulfilling thing that it goes, oh, because it is very strangely constructed and it is a bit of a challenge but if you push through i I thought the payoff was worth it to get to the end and then you went oh okay that was kind of cool i'll be honest i'm really fuzzy on the details leading up to that moment i can't even begin to tell you what his job was or why he was got caught up into it to begin with but i just remember that was the nugget of the of the truth of it i do also remember that 
this was the first story where River kind of gets separated from the Doctor and gets to do her own thing throughout most of the story. The Doctor kind of just bookends the story, mm-hmm. which was uh, which was a nice change of pace because for the first two, it's her and the Doctor all the way through it together. Well, and it was the first one, and maybe this is added to my enjoyment of it, is it was the first one that really allowed River to be River yeah. versus the tag-along companion. Yeah, you, you pick up a book called The Legends of River Song, you expect River to be the main character instead of the, the, the companion, and this is the first one where she gets to do that. Well, let's move on to uh, the next one, which is Death in New Venice, and this one's written by Guy Adams. This one is one I really liked. Uh that being said, I don't remember a lot of it <laughs> now, but I remember that... Well, well, to be fair, this was a year ago. Yeah, well, we don't usually do this where yeah. we review something a year later. Uh, I really enjoyed reading... I, this was one uh, I had a lot of trouble putting down, I remember. That it was just so uh, such a page-turner of what was going to happen. And if I remember correctly, this is another one with very little Doctor in I don't think there's any, any Doctor at all. Yeah. yeah, he's not listed on the character list. So it's And it's kind of actually formatted like formatted in the way that the book kind of promises to when I look at it is it's formatted in diary entries so it's kind of river explaining what has happened in this adventure that she's been going through and it's it's just so much fun to read and the characterization of river was spot on it's just everything from top to bottom I I, I remember liking well and this one appears to be later in river's life as well because according to wiki she's a professor by this time so. yeah the basic gist of it is she, using her professorship uh and, and her quote expert in a period time there's a, a conglomerate that is putting together a pleasure planet and the entire theme is Venice. And so she is using a vortex manipulator to go back to Venice and take pictures and samples of tapestries and artwork and then bringing it forward so that they can replicate it and be super authentic with their presentation. And it's not just that this is a like a pleasure planet, like you could come and visit. It's like they expect you to buy a condo and you're going to live here. And it, it's it's going to be great, and it's for all the rich, super hobnobby, you know, people in the galaxy. And River's being paid an obscene amount of money for this job. So even though the manager's a bit of a creep and has been hitting on her left and right, she's kind of putting up with it until she is going to remove his hands for him if he doesn't stop. And, and little things of that nature. The problem stems from, uh, <laughs> in a very Star Trek II moment, a little bit of proto-matter in the Matrix. They're using something, I don't remember the name, it was... It was Quick concrete. Something like that. Basically, the idea is this quick crete stuff that they're using to build everything is slightly psychic. <laughs> with the intent being that you're going to believe you're in Venice. Oh, okay. Oh. That it's going to be that real because it's going to just hit you with wave after wave of psychic belief of I'm in Venice in this time frame. Um, and the time frame happens to be right before Venice does actually sink into the... (laughs) (laughs) Nobody put two and two together and told River that this is what they were using. And so then there's a series of grisly accidents where workers are getting killed off and the company has to start paying more and more money and bonuses to try and keep people around to finish the construction job and nobody can figure out, well, now the fear is ramped up so the psychic concrete is reacting to that. So it ramps up its attacks, thinking that it's doing its job uh, until opening night when 
all hell breaks loose and all these rich hobnobbers are there getting <laughs> murdered unmercifully left and right. And it sounds terribly grisly. And it is. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun to but, read. But the way it's written, she writes it in a way that it doesn't make it sound grisly. Sort of soft sells yeah. the, how deep it could be as just a normal format story. Right. And also the way it's written in, in such a way that despite the fact that you are aware this is a journal entry, she obviously makes it out of this. You're concerned. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because of how the events transpire. Oh, that's well written. So it's, it's really, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, let's do the last one, which is uh, River of Time, and it was written by Andrew Lane. This is the one I'm going to fall down on. I remember it being very epic. I, I remember it being excellent and fantastic, but I don't remember much details about it. <laughs> she, she, I, I remember that she is hired, uh, again as a professor, that she is supposedly an expert in archaeology, and that she is hired to come and look at this artifact this monolith on this planet and that it's the TARDIS if I remember correctly that seems right and she's freaking out because okay this isn't the diary so what is you know what but this is where I go fuzzy is I don't remember why the TARDIS is there or what the what the hook is or how it's resolved. Even. Or how it's resolved, even. But it had very wide-ranging galactic implications for the, you know, it wasn't just a localized problem. It was whatever this was was going to trigger all kinds of of, of cataclysmic uh, stuff. And she winds up getting out of it in a very nifty way, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But again, I, I'm so fuzzy on the details. And I feel bad now, because like I said, I'm, I'm sure... I, I remember when I closed the book... Uh... I said, wow, that was the best thing in that whole book. <laughs> and now I don't remember <laughs> don't any remember details. Yeah, they, they saved the best for last. <laughs> and they really did. It, it, it's, it's kind of a ramp up where, you know, the first story is okay. Oh, the second story has Elvis. It's okay. Oh, the third story was eh, okay. And the fourth story was pretty good. Oh, now this one was, yeah. So it just kind of builds up to this fifth one. But I cannot like, yeah, I, I remember can't. anything about it. In my Goodreads uh, topic conversation... I wrote that it's such a good story that adds depth to the Doctor Who universe, but I don't remember what that depth is. <laughs> and I don't think I would have written anything quite so, because I tend to not do anything spoilery in my Goodreads reviews. Well, I didn't go into de- more details saying we'll do, do it sometime on the podcast. <laughs> well, here we are. This is sometime. Oh, so much for those so, more details. As a book overall, is it something you guys would recommend? Now, let Let's put it in the sense, yes, I'm going to recommend anything Doctor Who to people, but is this something that you would recommend higher than other things? It depends on how you feel about River Song, I mean, more than anything else. If you're a big fan of River and want more, uh, I would recommend it. If you're not a big fan of River, you won't like this book. Better than the Shilder book, you think? I think it was. I think it was better than the Shilder book. I know sure. you think it was better than the Shilder book. You came down hard on a lot of those stories. Why? <laughs> I, I think this is... Uh, Head and shoulders about the issue of the book, partially because she's such a much more established character. It's a little easier to write those stories. Probably a little easier to get into those stories too as a fan. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's tied in with what you said. This is one that would I recommend people read it? Yeah, absolutely. Would I buy a copy of it? No. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would go to the library. I, it's I, not I, one that you would own. Right? It's not one that I would own yeah. unless you're a River Song fan. If you right. own everything River, then yeah, you got to have yeah. this as part of the collection, and it's a worthwhile part of your collection at that point 
Um, but just for a casual Doctor Who fan, go find it at the library. Yeah, I had checked mine out. I didn't buy it. I mean, obviously, here we are I a year later going, well, I kind know, of remember that. So. You want to know something sad? It's sitting on my bookshelf at home. I, well, own, I own this book and, <laughs> and you haven't read it. <laughs> Wait, here's a glowing recommendation Guess for you. Guess what? I'm going go, to go read it now. Actually, not, not tonight, but I'm going to read I it. I feel now. bad we've spoiled some of these stories. No, now. that's We should have right. waited that's on this review. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for indulging on this because this was something we kind of did spur the moment because we thought this might be fun and an exercise in... Um, Futility, I think. Our apologies um, yeah. to the uh, to the fine ladies that run the Traveling the Vortex book club for not getting this done. I know our, our New Year's resolution this year, although we have reviewed half of them, or nearly half of them, because fortunately for us, most of them were Leatherbridge Stewart ones, but, yeah. uh, but our New Year's resolution for next year is to do this more often and be a little more timely. So uh, this is our first step in that direction. And the, the poll for... Uh, January's book is still up and still yes, voted. It, it is. So get on there and vote and uh, join us in reading. And uh, that, that's another goal this year is I'm going to try to get more people involved in that book club and, and get more people online doing that. So Because it's fun. Yep. It's a good community. All right. Well, that's, that's going to do it for this um, side trip. And uh, I'm, I'm Glenn. I'm, I'm Keith. I'm Sean. <laughs> you about went out of order there. <laughs> Cheers. I always go second. Did I screw that up? Yes, I screwed that you up. You did screw that up. I'm sorry. He's so tired. I've kept so him up tired. so late tonight. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. See, that's how that works. That's right. That's why I sit here. <laughs> so that I remember where I go in the order. You can't go out of order. <laughs> you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. 